content may not be appropriate for all listeners. Listener's discretion is advised. to WTF You Talking About, the podcast where we don't know what we're talking about until you do. I'm Katie. And I'm Decker. And we're here to ask each other, what the fuck are you talking about? So, overview. We've got six categories of topics, and the next episode's contents will be determined by the roll of a die. The categories are true crime, paranormal, history and education, science and technology, entertainment and current events. We will be using an eight-sided die, so if you roll a one, then you're going to roll a six-sided die for those same six categories, except it has to be local, so Idaho or any state bordering Idaho. And if you roll an eight, then that is like a wild, and you get to pick your category and talk about whatever the hell you want. So, let's jump right in. Decker, what the fuck are you talking about? Right, so last time I rolled current events, and I, I mean, there's been a lot of really shitty stuff in the yeah. And I've I'm kind of fed up with it. So I was trying to look for I was trying to look good for luck a happier one, and boy oh boy was it hard to find <laughs> because like the world is a I dumpster found, fire. I found some that were um, like some interesting ones were people saying that there actually might be a, like a vaccine for depression, and what it is is like injecting you with ketamine, actually is possibly uh, yeah it helps reduce the effects of depression. Um, I wish you could see my face right now. Yeah, yeah, no, your face is kind of like Please concerned. Do not inject yourself with ketamine. <laughs> so, For fuck's sake. Right, there was that one. Um, there was uh, apparently something with Mitch McConnell where he did something to like pretty much bypass the majority vote on something. Didn't want to dig too deep into that one because I've already had enough of politics for a short while. Um, but this one I found um, just as I was like perusing through, like, on my phone, um, there's, you know how, like, everything has, like, either, like, a flip note, or, uh, you know, every phone has, like, this only, like, news, have you ever seen oh, yeah. that? Like, where there's, like, a news section? So, on my, uh, Pixel phone, I was just perusing through, and I found a very interesting article that actually has to do with a non-profit, a judge, and getting people up off the streets. Hmm. And so what I'm going to be talking about is I'm going to be talking about the Midnight Mission, is what they're called. Okay. So the Midnight Mission was already a non-profit that, that already currently exists, but we're going to be focusing on someone who basically joined or helped to raise more awareness for the Midnight Mission to help them get more people off the streets. So... This individual's name is Judge Craig Mitchell. Okay. Right. So he is a judge that basically has sentenced people. He's he's sentenced people to like life in prison and or like you know for like lesser things. Right. So he's kind of like just. And you probably has, said this already, but where is this? Um, he's a lot of the stuff that they're doing is down in Skid Row. So of where? Los Angeles. Okay. So he. Uh, he originally got involved with this back when there was an inmate that he had sentenced that was picked up by the Midnight Mission, and they um, he was he requested to actually um, talk with the judge that had sentenced him previously, and the judge had decided to go down, and what this individual had said was basically um, they had thanked them for everything they'd done for them. Because by helping that, like, even though they did out of prison stuff, mm-hmm. it helped them get their life back on the right track. Mm-hmm. And now they're doing way better than ever before. And so after this conversation, he was approached by the director of the Midnight Mission. And I, I didn't get a name inside of here. I'm not sure if it's changed since then. So, um, but he was asked basically if there's anything that he could do to help with the Midnight Mission's cause. And one of the things uh, that kind of uh, Craig had thought of was kind of doing like a run or like an awareness kind of thing and that's kind of how this whole thing took off so he eventually helped to create like the midnight runners who they run in the early hours of the day typically around 5 30 a.m so that'd be 5 30 
Pacific time. And they will go run around the dangerous places of Skid Row to um, not only raise awareness, but to go there to basically do some outreach and like let people know that there's like there are resources for them. Like if they want to get help, they can go to the Midnight Mission. Mm-hmm. So basically it's like a way for them to get out there, um, be visible, and, while also not threatening, mm-hmm. right? Or like not trying to push something. It's almost like they exist and so eventually people will like maybe like will approach them. He's mentioned in the past how when he goes and do, does this, that he's been approached and asked if, like, he wants to buy any drugs, or um, other people might, like, like see him and actually like, get really nervous. I guess, I'm not sure how, um, I guess, violent Skid Row is, but it sounds like it's not a very good or safe place. Mm-hmm. And most people there are completely homeless, and they just sleep out in the open. Mm-hmm. And um, so what they do is they try to raise this awareness and get people to go to uh, these venues so they, they can get assistance. So the Midnight Mission basically takes in people who are either uh, impoverished, whether it's children, men, women, take them in and they basically help them jumpstart their lives. So whether it's from drugs or from crime or like they can't find any work. They had, um, I was watching a video that they had, and so most of this article I have is from CNN. I didn't see it mm-hmm. on any other ma- major news source, which is also the other reason why I wanted to cover it, <laughs> is because I'm like, I think it deserves a little bit more coverage than what uh-huh. I got. And so he, they, ha- they helped taking these people, and what originally started off being um, like up to three people when he first started, it now goes between 300 to 500 individuals. Oh, damn. Going to, right. So this has, like, become, like, a pretty big thing now. And it, in the video I saw, I'm not sure if this is just, like, for, like, you know, to dramatize it and stuff, but he, like, basically goes in after he runs and he throws on his, uh, you know, judicial coat mm-hmm. and then walks up to go to the courtroom. <laughs> so, like, he's still, like, in his, his shirts and his, his shirts. Yeah. <laughs> but he's just wearing his robes. I'm like, yeah, huh. I never thought about it. It's... Is, is there any sort of a dress code for what judges wear under their robes? I mean, I it's always assumed... just robes. I always assumed it was business casual. But right. I suppose... Well, probably gets really hot in there, too. Like, I would imagine... So oh, like no, I've like... I've worn similar robes. Those are very warm. They're not yeah. comfortable. Um, but... Uh, do, 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 uh, one of the interesting things about this, too, is... Um, people that go and do these runs... They have helped people um, with, like, going to school or, like, starting their own business or being able to leave the state to go elsewhere. Like, in the video I saw, someone had gotten two different job offers. Someone got um, into, like, some sort of conservatory. didn't mention what. So I'm not sure if that was a music conservatory or something else like that. But the people that run, if they run, like, full-time, which is, like, three times a week, then if they're really committed, they actually... um, get assistance from uh, that group to go run marathons. Mm. And these people have run in, like, uh, uh, Ghana, Rome, Vietnam, and Jerusalem. Damn. Yeah. So it's really cool because basically now they're starting to become, on a more global scale, like, getting more and more awareness because they're basically trying to, they're trying to go places that are not safe, but because they're going in as a group, they're not, they're safe. numbers. Right, safety in numbers. So, like, there's probably not going to be anything that happens to you. But yet now you guys, there's, there can be an interaction, there can be a dialogue, mm-hmm. rather than just being, uh, you know, impoverished people. So how are they going in there? Like, do, are they wearing branded clothing? Do they have a sandwich board? Like, how are they it looks announcing like just, themselves? Honestly, they were just wearing, like, their own clothes. They didn't look like they had anything that was, like, like the midnight. So how do people know to approach them if they have questions about this, I guess, is my confusion. Or are they just, like, yelling as they're running? Hey, so there's the thing! <laughs> that's a great question that they didn't really get too deep in on answering. I think what it is is because um, they'll talk with people as like they're running, but since they don't have any clothing, I'm assuming what they do. And this <laughs> they is they don't have any clothing, right? They don't. Oops, it's a naked um, run. I, what I'm guessing is happening is they're going on these runs. They have their certain routes, and then as they're people just get used to seeing, yeah, them. get used to seeing them to hopefully like. It makes them feel comfortable. And I think that's the biggest thing is when you have people who have lost it all or have gone through the system, 
they can not only are they like already been outcast from like society in a sense, but they're gonna be a lot more reclusive because they've already had stuff taken from them once before. I I I find it if I was them, I would think it'd be very hard for me to be trusting. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, after all that's happened, or like if I was abused and then I lost my home. So um the, fu- the cool thing here about this is um, C- uh, CNN, one of their reporters, her name is uh, Allie Torgan, they they basically had some dialogue back and forth. So one of the things was, um, basically, did you ever imagine like doing anything like this at all? And his whole thing was, um, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he says that there's a lot of evil and bad in the world, but to that effect, there's an, there's an equal amount of good. And I want, and I like to see the world in that light, so that's why I go and do mm-hmm. that thing. Because even though I'm judging people in the courtroom, I also want to help people. That's probably hard too, because I mean, he has to see a whole lot of bad shit every day. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it almost sounds like a like a ritual. You know what I mean? It almost uh-huh. feels like a, like a religion in the sense where it's like he goes out and is helping people, but then he knows also that like when his day starts, he's gonna go to the courtroom and he's gonna be sentencing people. Uh-huh. Right? Or not sentencing people. Like, maybe he won't. Um, but he he mentioned here that he understood that if he could run with people that um, and, like, chat, chat with them, they might be able to help rebuild their lives and fix their addiction issues. And also see how big the homelessness scale is. Because instead of him just trying to, like, you know, get, like, a census or, like, walk around, like, he's actually interacting with these people. So not only is... He's seeing everything, but people are seeing him, right? So he sees how bad that area is, but because he's so visible, it makes him more approachable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another thing was, uh, so with their schedule again, like I mentioned, they tried doing it in like the afternoon, but they found that it was not only difficult to schedule, but that most people were out and about. Like, if, if they were yeah. homeless and stuff, they're not staying in Skid Row. They're going out and trying to do things. Uh-huh. And so what they're doing is they're trying to hit him early in the morning. Um, of course, not just trying not to disturb them, of course, but they're trying to get there early in the morning because they want them to be seen. They mm-hmm. want people to see that there are options available. Because um, I'm thinking, like, I'm not very familiar with, like, homeless shelters and stuff, but I what I, what I have heard of is that Homeless shelters, they'll have people come in, and then in, like, the morning, they'll end up leaving, right? Because they have to go somewhere else to, like, go find work or, um, you know, be productive. But they do, they end up running at 5.30, and then the the most interesting question here was how, how did he get to this point in his life to where he's doing uh, both these things, right? He's judging people, and he's... Um, trying to help get people off the streets in, in a healthy and good way. And one of the things that caught my eye was that he was apparently a teacher for 17 years. And he went to law school at night. So he was getting all of his classes done while he was teaching during the day. Damn. Law school is <laughs> fucking hard. Yeah. Teaching is fucking hard. And so I thought, not only did I find that very admirable, but one of the things he mentions is because he teaches a lot and... He's dealt with troubled kids and stuff. He feels like that helped him not only with being a good judge, in terms of like a judge of character, like seeing like the whole picture and trying to do what's best for the person as well as protecting society, but he feels like it put them in a good place with these runs to also still continue to be a resource and advocate on their behalf. I thought that was really fucking cool. That was really nice. Because like, most of the time when I hear, like, like when people have careers, right, it's like they're going for that career and they do it. But, like, this is someone who was just teaching for, like, they taught for 17 years and then they went to school at night and now they're a judge. Um, and, the, and it sounds like also he wants to make sure he can get to people before they get in his courtroom. He doesn't want them to get there. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that has helped, though, having that visibility. Because, um, I mean, you know it's inevitable that people that have seen him run will end up in his courtroom. Right. That's just the nature of the system and our society. Sure. So I wonder if that has helped people feel more comfortable when they're in his courtroom. I mean, like, okay, right. this guy isn't going to try to screw me. For sure. It'd be interesting, too. I wonder if... I'd be curious to know if people make sure that they don't go to his courtroom if, like, he's off... You know, for, like, biases and stuff like that. Um... Or if they do, right, if, like, 
because he's interacted that it allows him to have like greater leniency. But, um, but yeah, so that's like something that's kind of like short and sweet. I just thought it was something very beautiful and that really need to be addressed because I, I know there are people that do a lot of great things in our day to day, and most time in news, things really catch us are things that are very shocking or damaging or scary. Mm-hmm. Because we want to protect ourselves, so thus it's going well, to sell. Well, I think part of it, too, is that the good news doesn't sell. That's Which true. is really shitty. Yeah. It, it, and it's unfortunate. But I think this is really cool because I never would have... Um, people, you know, like, they will always have, like, run for a cause, right? Like, think about, like, uh, like Susan... Uh, Susan G. Cummins? Yeah, right. Like, like Race for the Cure. Right or like you'll have like different kinds of races and so most of those for diseases. But I think it's interesting that this is like a race for people in terms of like, where like getting them to a healthier lifestyle and like to to a better mm-hmm. um, you know being being in a better world. Mm-hmm. So well, having having worked with that population before, there are resources out there, but they're hard to get. Right, and, and you don't if you don't know what the resources are, then it doesn't matter mm-hmm. the resources there are. And there's a lot of them where it sounds really great and everything, but there's so many restrictions and stipulations on them that, you know, there's, uh, they, this thing came out a while ago for, it was to help with opioid addiction, which is super on the rise in Idaho. And people want to pretend like it's not a problem. And guess what? It's a problem. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so they had this new initiative to help with the, oh God, I can't even remember what the acronym was, but something, 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 opioid crisis. Um, and so they had this funding set aside for that. And the restrictions on that, like if you had any involvement with the legal system, you couldn't use that funding at all. Well, guess what? A lot of the people that are struggling with opioid addiction have been involved with the legal system some way or the other. And it's not so it doesn't even... help them then. Exactly. So the, the people that it was like opening this door to to get treatment was so... It was such a small population. And it, it yeah, wasn't... It's almost incontestable because it'd be, like, it'd be like someone who is like abused opioids but like in private, right? Like, like Almost like, yeah. like, it, like it was so starting from a problem but it, it wasn't a problem yet. It opened the door to people that your, your average middle class white person that you know maybe doesn't have enough money to go to a fancy treatment center Mm -hmm. but you know isn't out causing trouble which the amount of people that that is an issue like yes that is an issue Mm -hmm. but that's not where the big population of people struggling with this is and it wasn't i think it only took about six months before they changed that and i think they made it so you couldn't have any felonies and i mean that that opened it up to more people right but it's still helpful because like one of the things that always surprises me when is when you have these organizations that are there to help people, but then they restrict people that have like felonies or have mm-hmm. some sort of charges. And I understand is that, that what it's meant for. Well, I understand that you want to be able to help as many people with the funds that you have, and if you spread it too thin, then you can't really help anyone in any meaningful way. Mm-hmm. But. If everybody is, like, putting the same restrictions on it, then it's the same group of people that can't get any help. Right. And I know that there's this big expectation that, oh, well, like, P&P will pay for treatment for this person or pay for this for this person. And probation and parole doesn't want to pay for that shit. So they're not gonna. Mm. So, like, for instance, something that we had struggled with uh, when I was in substance use treatment was getting clients inpatient treatment. Because as far as PNP is con- concerned, they have inpatient treatment. It's jail. It's prison. That is their idea of inpatient treatment. Yeah, and really good point, which is something that I've, thought, I've been thinking about more and more and more based on all the news stories that come out, is do you think that this issue with certain people getting treated and other people's not, is it, do you think it's based on how uh, inmates or ex- inmates are being portrayed, right? Like, because you have people that have felonies, but maybe they're non-violent felonies. Like, maybe it was, like, some sort of fraud, and right? That's but that another them... thing is that it seems like whenever anyone says that they have a felony, people jump right to some sort of a violent crime. Right. They assume that you assaulted someone, you murdered someone, uh-huh. you, you know, raped someone, and mm-hmm. that's... The felony, 
there are a lot of felony offenses that there's are non-violent. There's a lot of classes of felonies, too. And it, it could just be, like, there's certain, certain amounts of uh, possession that, you know, this amount is like a, a misdemeanor, whereas this amount is a felony. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, then, and it goes up, too, where it's like, this amount is a, a felony, while this amount is federal. So, and if I'm if I recall, and uh, I mean, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But if I recall, though, I'm pretty sure there's actually a felony that you can get through driving, and it's I think it's in Idaho. It's if you're driving twenty five miles per hour or more over the speed limit. I think mm-hmm. that one actually can get you a felony. I th- yeah, I think, I think that's the at lo- the discretion of the court, but right. I believe you're correct. Right, and so I think it'd be interesting if that were to, right, like you were speeding. I mean. Granted, you shouldn't be going that mm-hmm. fast, especially most of the time when people are doing that. It's in the places that they shouldn't like, like a subdivision. Yeah. It's not like on like the freeway where it's like I'd be less concerned about it. The thing is, though, on the freeway, if you're going that fast, things on the freeway can change in an instant. Oh yeah, for sure. And if you rear end someone going 25 miles over, over the speed limit, who knows how fast you're going? You're going 90, 95, 100 miles an hour. Well, heck, the people um, that you hit are fucked. You are one, fucked. One of my colleagues. Uh, they, their uh, wife actually got in a car accident, and um, I'm not sure how fast the guy was going, but he was basically trying to sneak into a lane, but he had been accelerating and gaining like from like behind everyone else, and tried to slip in, and he just like tapped her, uh, like um, bumper. Yeah, going that fast, you're gonna spin was, out. Was, and it's always funny because I, I feel like anytime someone hits someone, for some reason the the car that gets hit, I, and maybe I'm just cherry picking stuff, but I feel like the car that gets hit is almost always not damaged nearly as bad as the car that hit. Because most of the time, like, whenever I see the car that actually hit the car, like, the one that hit their car, like, their bumper was, like, a little messed up and their muffler was screwed. But the other car, like, like the whole, like, driver's side end was just obliterated. Hold on. So the so you're saying the person who... Hits the other person. For some reason, like... Is the one that doesn't get... Damaged? No, no, no. I feel oh, okay. like they're the one that tends to get damaged more. I like from what I've seen, but maybe um, like I just have a horrible sample size. When I was in high school, this was shortly after my mom had had her knee replaced. I was taking her to, or I was actually picking. Well, I took her to a doctor's appointment, and then we were on our way home from the doctor's appointment, and I was rear-ended by a delivery truck, a delivery van. My car was totaled. They had a broken window. And then we had to spend the whole rest of the day in the ER trying to figure out, because it had, they, I mean, they rear-ended us, so everything went forward, and mm-hmm. so it slammed my mom's knee into the dash. So then we had to spend the whole rest of the day and night at the ER trying to make sure that her knee replacement was still where it was supposed to be, or if they were going to have to redo this entire surgery. Oh, damn. And then I had whiplash, and that was fun, too. <laughs> but yeah, that's fun. Um... I scared a fireman. I scared the delivery people, so I had I kicked my door open, and uh, approached them shouting. Like shouting. I was pissed. Because you had whiplash. Like because no, they because they it. just threw my mom into the fucking dash. Oh, I see. And they were they were going way too fast. This was Curtis between Emerald and. Franklin by those railroad tracks. Oh. So the speed limit there is like, what, 30? Yeah. They were going about 50. We were at a stop. Yeah, going from zero to 50 is not great. So they slammed me into the the truck in front of us, which then hit the char in front of them, and then there was like five cars ahead of me that got hit from this. There was like a four or five car pileup. Yes. All of us were at a complete stop. (laughs) That's unfortunate. Um... But then a, a fireman was talking to that guy, and then he came over, and he's like, Miss, are you okay? And I was like, I'm fine. I'm fucking furious right now. He was like, well, just try to calm down. And I was like, that is not what you want to say to me right now. Yeah. Do not tell me to calm down. I may murder you. <laughs> Do not have that man come over here. <sighs> but, that is yeah. my story. <laughs> That's a good story. Um, yeah. So, Katie. Yes. What the fuck are you talking about? Well, I... Is yours happy or is yours depressing? Uh, or is it somewhere else? Is it... Silly? No. Okay. No. Um... 
Take me, take me on an adventure. Where Somewhere am I going? else is probably in. I didn't write down a goddamn title. <laughs> That's okay. So here you go. Um, I guess somewhere else would be a a good description, I guess. Uh, so I got my first local role. That's right, you did. I got local paranormal. You did get local paranormal. And I put off working on this for a real long time because I've been I e- contacted someone and I was waiting for them to get back to me and they still have not done this thing. Oh. So then I had to change what I was going to do. That sucks. But I'm hoping that they will get back to me Sorry and then the next time. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. So, uh, okay. I'm actually going to talk about a place that John and I have been. Okay. So. This is not the basement hotel. It, it is not. Which, I mean, we've been there, but we haven't been there. Like, we've not, we have not stayed at the Bates Motel. We've not gone into the Bates Motel. We have stood outside the Bates Motel. We have driven by the Bates Motel. <laughs> Bye! But I've not been in the Bates Motel. That is, whoa. I was like, yes, I'm going to tell you about the Tuella Hospital. I sure am not. That was no, last week's news. I remember that. I turned a couple too many pages. Oh, I can see the future. <laughs> like, that's so Raven. Which, I always loved in that scenario, because she always like, <laughs> like, it's so dramatic, like. Yeah, and her eyes would be huge. It's, it's more of a question of, is it her doing this that allows her to see, or because she's seeing, does she do that? I think she does that because she's seeing. Right. Where it's like, but I'm like getting the, a vision. I'd like to believe that she's like. And now like, I can see. Yeah, like, like <laughs> trying to like, dig through the archives. I'm like, trying to remember when the last time I saw that so Raven was. Dude. It has to have been. Years. Yeah, it was probably like when I was like 13 or 14. That was like the other day when I was trying to think about the when the last time I legitimately jump roped was. And I was probably 13 or 14 or 12, I don't know. Yeah, the only uh, the only other weird thing was that Cory in the house. Recording See, I never house. saw that. That's yeah. so Raven would play on Saturday mornings. And well, I, Saturday mornings. I feel like Cory in the house started to be a thing after I yeah. was done watching Saturday morning things because I was doing Saturday morning things outside. Right. Yeah. Or I was still asleep. That is fair. <laughs> I know. I remember the days when I used to wake up early for like Saturday morning shows and now I'm like, mm-hmm. don't you dare wake me up before two. <laughs> yeah. I relate to this. <laughs> Although now I, I'm on a regular enough schedule, I guess, where I wake up. It's gonna and be I'm regular. Like, Gosh, it. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> Sorry. You still okay? I showed you the video about the regulars, right? The Metamucil, Metamucil commercial from like 1990. Oh, I, I don't think you did. I, I referenced that, that so much, and nobody ever knows what the hell I'm talking about. Everybody thinks I'm fucking nuts. We'll have to check it out. I'm gonna have to show you that. There's, there's these three guys that are walking into a bathroom. <gasps> yes. Bob, Fred, Jack. Yes. <laughs> that one. Yeah, that one. I, I recall to, that. Okay. Anyways, I Anyways. feel like I've gotten onto a schedule now that's regular enough. Well, Saturday I'll roll around and I'll wake up and be like, gosh, it must be so late in the afternoon. It's 8.30. What mm. the fuck is this? Ew. Ugh. There's been multiple times where I wake up and I get up and look at the time and I'm like, no. No, I'm not going to do this now. And I go back to bed. I know. I was like, it's not this time. I'll get up at 10 instead. Or... The other option is that you do that, and then you wake up, and you're like, it's 3 p.m. What has happened? <laughs> Where am I? What year is it? Right. So, local paranormal. Local paranormal. A couple of years ago, John and I went to the Oregon coast. Okay. Uh, we were visiting Kay, and she lives in Port Orchard. Or Port Orford. <gasps> Sweet Kay? Oh. She has a, a house in Port Orford, which is... Fairly close. I mean, it's it's within like 40 or so miles of Bandon, Oregon. Okay. Um, in between there and Port Orford is a place called Florence. And they have a lighthouse. I'm going to do my best to pronounce this because it looks like it should be an easy word to pronounce, but I very well could be pronouncing it wrong, so don't at me. So I'm going to tell you about the Heketa Head Lighthouse. Okay. So go ahead and go to Drive. I do have some pictures of this lighthouse from when we were there. We we were just talking about a lighthouse today. Oh, you were? Yeah. um, It was in our session today, which was funny because I thought we were doing Star Trek today Mm -hmm. because um, one of our players isn't going to be there for Pathfinder. Mm -hmm. I show up there. Luckily, I brought my Pathfinder book because everyone there was 
ready for Pathfinder, and Brendan did not notify me that we were doing Pathfinder. I was like, oh, well, this would have been really awkward. It sounds like no one was on the correct page. (laughs) No. Because Brendan and Vincio and I were like, yeah, we're ready for Starfinder, and you were like, nope. (laughs) Yeah, which I felt so bad about that. Because as soon as you showed that screenshot, I'm like, motherfucker. I (laughs) I think that was, it was more, it was just, it was more funny than anything. So I was like, like, I know I didn't imagine this. I was like, well, she got me. <laughs> now I don't know what to do. <laughs> I think I heard that realization of... Did you... And just heard I this like, laugh. I was with Jules, I was like... <laughs> Shit. <laughs> that was literally what happened. I was like, no, no. No, no, I know this was said. <laughs> I scrolled up through fucking eight years worth of messages. I mean, it was like three weeks of messages, but still. There was a lot of messages. <laughs> that was a fun trip, though. That was great. Back to Oregon. Yes. So the Haketa Head Lighthouse is on the Oregon coast. It is 13 miles north of Florence and 13 miles south of Yachts. It's located on the Haketa Head Lighthouse State Scenic Viewpoint, which is also a state park. And it is midway up a 250, nope, 205 foot uh, tall headland. So go ahead and... Nope, don't open up any of those pictures because they don't show you what I'm talking about. Never mind. I will open nothing. <laughs> I will use my mind's eye to see. Although, you could open up either of those two pictures because that just shows you what the lighthouse looks like. Uh, like this one? Uh, yeah. Oh, that's a head. And that's my head. Oh, I had a feeling. Yep. And it was, the day that we went was foggy. That's always good. So, yeah, and I was looking for pictures and I swear to God I remember taking a whole lot more pictures than I was able to find. And John as well. And we, we only had two pictures. From that's at the lighthouse. Spooky. <laughs> so that was weird. I was like, where did these really weird. where did these go? Which I mean, granted, I was looking for pictures from like two years ago, but Yeah. But I was able to find a good one of what the lighthouse looks like. So you know what? I'm I'm gonna make a note right now to put these on or to put a one of the pictures of the lighthouse on Instagram. Perfect. There's that. The lighthouse was built in 1892, is 56 feet tall, and shines a beam visible for 21 nautical miles, or 24 miles, making it the strongest on the Oregon coast. Uh, It was first lit in 1894, and it became automated, automated in 1963. It was built by the U.S. Coast Guard, uh, the light is currently maintained by the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department. Uh, however, the assistant lighthouse keeper's house is currently run as a bed and breakfast, like privately. Oh. Uh, the lighthouse is two miles from the Sea Lion Caves, which is super cool if you've never been there. I recommend I've it. I've never been there. It is really cool. You know what? I don't think I remember seeing... I'm... We must have taken pictures of the Sea Lion Caves. I don't know where the pictures from that trip went. I found very few of them. But mm. it's cool, because you go down there, and there's all sea lions, and then they have, like, a little, like... Well, that's cool. Uh, what is it? Science? I, I, no. Science? They have a science. No. Like, they have a historic... No, it has a science. Display. I, tour. Display. Okay. They have souvenirs. No. Well, I mean, yes, but not in the cave. Okay. They have... A demonstration? A uh, showcase? Sort of. They, uh, fuck. There's fossils. A diorama? I guess, but no. I don't know. I, I don't fucking know what I'm talking about. There are sea lions and fossils. I'm sure there are words for what I want, but the sea lions were super cute, and they were all just like hanging around on their rocks and sleeping and stuff. So that I was like aggressively yawning at you, because <laughs> that's pretty. What, that's what yeah. it felt like. I was like trying to force myself to like get the yawn away. <gasps> and then when you do that, your eyes get really big. Yeah. <laughs> the sea lion cave. Right. The headland. Nope. The head lighthouse keeper's house was demolished in 1940, as well as some farm buildings that were original construction. So when they first mm-hmm. built the thing, they built like the lighthouse. With its, um, like, attached work. 
lighthouse. Okay. So, because like, if you if you look at the picture, there's a lighthouse itself, and then it's got like a little thing coming right. off the side of it. Uh huh. And then there was the assistant in uh, the assistant keeper's house, the head keeper's house, and then I want to say there was either one or two farm buildings. Hmm. Um, and I think the only thing left from that is just like the lighthouse itself with its attached thing, and the assistant lightkeeper's thing. Uh, actually, there may be one of the farm buildings that. I think was given to some other sciencey thing to use for sciencey stuff. Yes. It was not important enough for me to write down, apparently. Uh, 2011, they closed the lighthouse to the public and they restored it and then reopened it in 2013. Okay. Uh, so that's the lighthouse. Um, however, the only thing I could find where it was talking about being haunted was the assistant keeper's house. Mm-hmm. Although. I feel like I remember the tour guide telling us about ghosts at the lighthouse, but it's been long enough that I don't remember what they said. So hopefully they weren't just telling us about the ghost at the keeper's house. Mm. And I'm thinking that it was at the lighthouse. Was there any, like, was that ghost hostile or was it just like a no. um, residual haunting or? Uh, no, it definitely seems to be intelligent, um, but it's not hostile. So at the assistant, I want to count the innkeeper. It's not an inn. I mean, it's an inn now. Right. (laughs) The assistant lighthouse keeper's house is a bed and breakfast right now. And there they have a spirit known as Rue. And it looks like they came upon the name Rue by doing a Ouija board session. So Uh, do that what you will. Spirit board. Um, She has been seen many times at the B&B. It is believed that the spirit is connected to a grave of a baby or uh, possibly an older child that is on site. It's like up the hill from the B&B. And I think what I read is that the area is like all overgrown and surrounded by brambles and everything and everyone just leaves it be, mm-hmm. which I thought was nice. So they weren't like, oh, we got to dig this up. That's good. Uh, Rue may have been the wife of an assistant light keeper mm-hmm. whose daughter wandered off the cliff. And either fell to her death or drowned. Oh, man. See, lighthouses are great for ships. They're not great for people. Yeah, there's a book that I read. and I feel like they turned it into a movie. It's called The Light Between Oceans. And it was about a lighthouse keeper and his wife. And they lost a baby or they couldn't get pregnant. I'm pretty sure they lost a baby. Mm. Well, then this guy crashes and has a baby. And they keep the baby. And then, so, like, the whole rest of the book <clears throat> is them, like, raising this child and then discovering that, because they, like, rationalize it to themselves, being like, oh, well, I'm, I'm sure that this child has no other family. How could they possibly have any other family? This man is dead. Right. And then they find out that, like, in the village, like, the closest village to the, the lighthouse, is this woman who has now lost her husband and her child. Mm-hmm. And so the whole rest of the book, it made me feel real weird. Like, it was... It was a lovely book. The way that it was written was quite nice. But it gave me weird feels, and I was like, I am uncomfortable. This is not cool. Mm. Anyways, that's a book about a lighthouse. Right. And a baby. Since the 1950s, there have been reports of strange noises and objects moving on their own. Screams can be heard during the night, and lights turn on and off uh, of their own accord. Uh, Also, it, it did say that there were specifically women's screams. So I assume that means they are higher pitched. Um, there was some conjecture that they think that might... Or they're castrates. What? Castrates. Those are, uh, those are when young men, before they have puberty, get castrated. A eunuch? Right, but they're singers, they're called castrates. Oh. Fun fact! <laughs> Do you remember that time at rehearsal? Yep, I, okay. It's been brought up several times, even outside of the group of people that originally called me that. Yeah. Oh no, it was Kay that called you that. Yeah. Oh, no, it was Jay that also brought it up in the last show I was in prior to the one that we were all in together. Because it was brought up when I was in Once Upon a Mattress. Okay. That was very funny. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone is now confused. It's okay. Just know I'm a eunuch. (laughs) You can cut that out and save that for later. Mm. Ah, cut that out. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Hey. Oh. (laughs) 
See, that, that sound you just heard was me slapping my head because I just caught on. <laughs> yeah. Mm. My, uh, my wits are not about me. That's fine. I can't stay on topic to save a life. Good. Uh, dishes will also rattle around in the kitchen cupboards, uh, and locked doors will be found just standing wide open. Uh, there's, so there's also an, possibly another apparition. It's known as the Grey Lady. But I couldn't find anywhere that said that these are two specific or two distinct different spirits, so mm. they could be the same. Um, but it seemed like like all of the the gray lady was very much they were all details about an like a, an apparition, mm-hmm. whereas <clears throat> excuse me, anyone talking about Rue, they were talking about things they heard or things that happened, not something that they saw necessarily mm. like that. So, I mean, there's a possibility that they could be two different spirits. In the 1970s, a worker was in the attic while the house was undergoing renovations. He he was painting when he came face-to-face with the Grey Lady. So, he fucked off out of the attic and was like, I'm not going back up there. Which, okay, fair. Uh, I feel like in horror movies, and they're like, oh my god, I saw something real scary. Hold on, I have to go right back to that place. You're going to die. Yeah. So they reassigned him to outside work. Um, somehow, I mean, I have no idea what outside work he was doing. It didn't say. Uh, mm. In the course of doing this outside work, he broke the attic window. Interesting. So he replaced the window, but he refused to go inside to clean up any of the glass or anything because he didn't want to go back up into the attic, which, again, fair. Mm-hmm. So then that night, the... Uh, the owners of the B&B reported that they heard scratching sounds from the attic. And then in the morning, all of the glass had been swept into a nice, a, a, a neat little pile. Hmm. Uh, where was I? There have been over 100 reporting sightings of, 100 reported sightings of ghosts at Haketa Head. Uh, the Grey Lady has been seen wearing a late era, late Victorian era dress. Why are they always wearing, like, old, like, fanciful... So in, like, a hundred years, are they going to see ghosts where they're, they're just in, like, dog, a hoodie? You sick chains! They <laughs> got, like, low, low pants, right, with my if, underwear showing. If I'm going to be a ghost, I want to be comfortable. Like, right. Not in a corset, fuck. It just, like, when you die, it just forces you into, like, old Eat, vintage... Okay, so the options is I either want to be in, like, comfy clothes, or I want to be in my costume for from Rocky. Mm. <laughs> like my corset and my big fluffy yeah. skirt and my combat boots and like yeah I either want to be comfy or I want to fuck shit up right that's like when I like there was um there was I think we talked about this maybe in an episode previously but it was the concept like for like a story where like um when you die like with you you basically have whatever you die with right so if you have a phone on you you can make phone calls in the afterlife but mm-hmm. if you don't you can't and that seems to be right. Very like, similar to what the Egyptians... It, it's definitely yeah. what I was going to say. Was like, it's very similar to like Egyptians. They would be buried with their things so they could have those... Better hope you don't die in the bathtub. <laughs> or in the shower. I can't call anyone. I'm naked. I can't do anything. But I have a loofah. <laughs> but I have a loofah. I'll trade you. I mean, I don't know. The loofah that we have is on a stick. So you could, like, hit people with it. That's <laughs> So if I was in that situation, I would just, like, ghost around and bop people on the head. <laughs> Bop it. And they it. they wouldn't they wouldn't know because I'd be a ghost. They'd just be like, what the fuck was that? Or like what if you just like free like what if you're haunting is like people leave cleaner than they went in. <laughs> right? Like they're like like that's really weird. Like my hair smells really nice all of a sudden. Like, I shampooed it for you. So I guess like in that situation, you know how like loofahs go bad after a while? No, I don't because I don't use a loofah. Well they go bad after a while. Okay. Would Wait. the loofah stay good? Because it's a ghost loofah now. Because you're, you're about like, because I'm not very knowledgeable of lingo. The loofah is like that, like squishy, like uh, the god. Hang on, <laughs> I don't know how to explain a loofah. Everyone's hearing how dumb I am right now. Well, I mean, if you don't use a loofah, I mean, okay, loofah is apparently not the correct word. What what the fuck is it? Shower. Rubber. We'll try that. Yeah. Those things. Oh, yes. I do actually have one of those. I do use those quite a bit. 
When I was thinking of loofah, I was thinking like the ones that are on the stick. I mean, but they, they make these on a stick. Right. Um, I was sure there was a difference. But so, okay, so like a loofah technically is a vegetable, <laughs> but it gets like dry and weird and you, I, I don't need to open that link. I just need to show you this picture. But it gets dry and weird, and then, of course, you rub it all over your body in the shower. Oh. As it is exfoliating. Oh. I, you know, I wonder who the first person was like, this vegetable has gone very bad. I'm going to rub it all over myself. Mmm, this is great. <laughs> but I just used the, the term loofah for all of that, the scrubby stuff, because, I don't know. <laughs> but, um... But see, that's the thing. Like, would, would like, a bath scrubber, would... Would it go bad? I mean, I feel like it couldn't, because otherwise that means that you could go bad in the afterlife. That's true. Right? Like, you would be gamey, but... Oh, gross. So if it had been a while since you showered when you died... Oh my god, think about all of the ghosts from... Pigpen, oh no! I'm just thinking about ghosts from, like, centuries past when they didn't shower very often. Or, like, the Or when they're like, yes, I've had my yearly bath. Oh, it's like just before they're really bad. Oh, God. Mm. Gross. <laughs> Gamey ghosts. Ugh. I like it. That's disgusting. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so sounds of furniture being moved and sweeping come from the empty and locked attic. So there's nothing to sweep and or move around up there. So don't do that. Uh, the owners have stated that Rue has never done anything scary or harmful. She's just part of the family now. Because she's just, she's just there doing, doing her thing. Uh, guests report items going missing and then returning later. Um, it did say that nothing ever seems to go too far. Mm. Uh, so it's not like malicious or anything. But it's just stuff to be a mm-hmm. little frustrating. There were people that said that they felt a presence climb into bed with them. You know what? Well, maybe they get cold. I said they're tired. You know? Uh, and some guests will find that they'll... So they'll come into their room and find that it has been rearranged. Huh. The feng shui was way off. I, I guess. Uh, so, go back to the drive. This was just a, a cool picture that I took. Um, at the top of the lighthouse, I took a picture down the stairs. Because it's got a like cool-looking spiral staircase. It does. And so it looks kind of like a Nautilus show. Was of, yeah, I was thinking like the Fibonacci... Mm-hmm. Huh. But the like when you walk into the lighthouse, it's got the little workhouse, I guess, which basically oh. was it had like a teeny tiny little approximation of a kitchen and something to make things warm. And then you'd go up those spiral staircase into the the tippy top and then you could go in and it's still a functioning lighthouse, it's just automated now. Right. And so you'd go in there and it's flashing light around, whatever, and you can look at all the old stuff and it's cool. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it, I always like hearing of hauntings where it's almost like, in a way, it's like slightly pleasant because it really just sounds yeah. like people are just trying to clean stuff. They're just like, they're like you gotta get, keep your life together. Man. I mean, it sounds like she's just hanging out. Oh, that was something that I don't remember if I said this or not. Um, the screaming, they think may be, I mean, this is all conjecture. It may be the woman discovering her dead child. Oh no. So that's sad. That's very sad. And then I saw some other, uh, I think it was the owners, their theory is that she's just wandering around the, um, I mean, the old assistant lighthousekeeper's house looking for her daughter. Mm. I hope that's not it, because that's also sad. I hope she's just hanging out, moving stuff around. Maybe she's one of those stuff. Like a good old, uh, what's her name? Sarah? Sally? Oh, I am Sarah. Sarah? Sarah or Jessica. Right. So now go back to the drive uh, and go to that text one. And it should bring up a link. You should go to that link. And then you'll probably want to pause the recording. We're going to watch a short video. It's only like three minutes. But it is a recording done by a paranormal society in Oregon of some evidence that they had found while they were investigating. Perfect. Perfect. Okay, so that was just a little video, and I will try to pop that link in the just Whoa. Yeah, hang on. It's because I have that. 
I was like, had my headset on without this plug in. <laughs> Not very helpful. But now, we should be good. Okay. So that was just a little video. There we go. And... That makes, I was like, I'm getting nothing. You're really quiet. <laughs> I will try to pop the link to that in the show description. I made myself a note. Uh, so they, it just shows some of the evidence that they've captured. The first one, it shows mm-hmm. like a, a weird light anomaly. I'm fairly certain it's either dust or a bug. So right. that's whatever. The second one is a real weird shadow thing that just like appears and then Ooh. disappears. And it's not like it flies into the frame or anything. It just shows up. Yeah. Not It's not in the middle. It's, yeah. It's off to the side. It's but off it, to the side, like onto the bed. It doesn't come in from the side. It just appears. Mm-hmm. And to me, it looks like it could be the shape of a person laying on the bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that as well. Either that or someone just crawled onto the bed. Mm-hmm. So it's either laying or being on and the it, bed. Yeah, it flashes and then flashes away real fast. Mm-hmm. And the, the video, I appreciate how they slowed it down multiple times. So you could actually see it instead of showing you the same clip over and over again, being like, I don't, uh, what, what am I looking at? It's like in Ghost Adventures where like, it's like, uh, Yeah, they play the same uh, EVP like five times uh, and you're like, I see this, okay, this is the same four seconds of audio over and yeah, over. It's still, thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely because they were trying to get filler. Yep. <laughs> um, and then, so then after that, there was another light anomaly with some weird camera shaking. Right. Um, which... Having not been there, who knows? Maybe there was mm-hmm. someone behind there moving stuff around. Right. Or, I mean, I don't know. Uh, the other one, I think, was another... Oh, it was an unexplained crash. Right. Which is interesting because, I mean, again, we're not there. We don't know who is in the building if anyone else caused that crash. Right. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt... And say that being paranormal investigators, they were aware of how many people were in the building, where they were, what they were doing at that exact moment, to know, yes, this was unexplained. No, someone didn't just stub their toe and trip over a couch or something. And then I think, what was the last one? The last one was that Um, little, like, light that was at the very bottom left part of the screen. Yeah, that seems like it could also be a dust particle or a bug. A little fleck. But that, that second shadow one, yeah, that one was kind of weird. That doesn't be a weird. I can't yeah, explain that. That one was kind of obvious. Mm-hmm. And so for the most part, I mean, I guess maybe it is a happy one because it just kind of sounds like the ghosts are just chilling out. Right. They're just having a party. Yeah. They're like, yeah, it's a rave, and they have like different color lights. Like, <laughs> it's a party of one, and they're just rattling dishes. What a party! <laughs> just like pots and pans playing like the. Musical instruments. Did you ever do that as a kid? I did. We're not trying to wear them on my head. I like to play with I the... am King Colander. <laughs> I like to play with the steamer. The steamer? Because it was, it was metal, mm-hmm. and it looked like a flower, and I like to open it and then close it. Interesting. That was what I did. I played with vegetable steamers. What a childhood I had. <laughs> hey, you know... Those were some. Some of those were the best toys because I wasn't um, like as a kid. I, we never really went to the store a lot because we couldn't really afford it. Mm, yes, I understand this. But um, yeah, so most of the stuff we always had to make ends meet with either we make crafts or we just use whatever we had at the house. Most of my possessions came from a number of places. One, a pawn shop, or a thrift shop. Mm. Two. A yard sale. Three, my dad found it in the road. Four, the dump. Oh, the dump. Yeah, no, I never got stuff in the dump. <laughs> we got a lot of... I found you a banana peel. A lot of the paint that I used for craft projects and stuff came from hazmat. Interesting. <laughs> this one's made with real lead. <laughs> well, I mean, like, good paint goes to hazmat. People they are just like, I don't want this anymore. But you can't right. just, like, throw that in the dump. So it goes to the hazmat. Um, one, one of my child childhood games that I played... So I've never had a lawn until we mm. moved in, like, here. I mean, I guess the house that I lived in in college had a lawn, but it was a sorority house, so it's right. not like we were outside playing in the grass. Uh, my For most of my childhood, until I was in college, our front yard was full of roofing gravel. Mm. So for every nail I picked out of the front yard, I got a penny. Oh, interesting. 
<laughs> so I didn't have to step on them. So it was like a, like a chore, if you will. But just went sort pee. of. Huh. There was also one year where I had to spend the summer. We had like white, we had like roses up by the house, and that was separated by some rocks into some like different flower beds. And one summer, my chore was to wash the white rocks by the roses, which, thinking back, is the dumbest fucking thing. Hmm. As a child, I was just like, well, this is stupid. I don't want to do this. And, like, as an adult, I'm thinking, like, yeah. they, do they think I couldn't, like, find something to do? Wash these rocks? Seriously? Wash, wash rocks. Can you please clean the water for me? Like, <laughs> so dumb. That's <clears throat> pretty, pretty silly. I always was the one that collected rocks. So I'd always find the really cool ones or shiny ones. Anytime we go somewhere, my dad is like, oh, look at that cool rock. Let's take it home. Yeah. Pet rock, man. We, many of the, yard, the yards in our front rock. Yes, many of the rocks in our front yard came from places that they should not have left. Perfect. Invasive species of rock. Yeah, you're not supposed to take rocks out of state parks. Are you not? Correct. Like any rocks at all. I mean, you're not supposed to be like, yes, I'm going to take all these rocks. Well, sure. Right. I'd always take Or, them. yeah. Or, like, historical markers or whatever. That, for sure, I know you don't touch. <laughs> I'm going to take the balancing one. So, that's a funny... funny you should mention that. Yeah. Have you ever been to Balanced Rock? No. Um, it's in southern Idaho. And it's this big fuck-off rock that is shaped like Africa. And it's... Huge, and it's supported by like a three foot column at the bottom. Mm. So I don't even remember how old I was, but we took like a, a road trip of southern Idaho and looked at all that stuff. Like, we went to that and the Hagerman hatcheries. I don't even think we went to the fossil beds. Um, I think we drove by the fossil beds and we were like, Look, fossil beds. And then we went to Craters of the Moon and all that kind of stuff. Well, when we went to Balanced Rock, we like hiked up there and we're like, yep, it's that is a big rock on top of a small rock. Or it's not even on top, it's one continuous rock, I should say. It's like, yep, that's a big rock. It's not a whole lot holding it up. My dad was like, well, I found this cool rock. You carry this. And so my brother and I had to carry rocks <laughs> back down. <laughs> my mom was just like, why did you bring these? And we were like, we don't know, he told us to. Or weightlifting. <laughs> it could be geodes. And these are the stories of my childhood that no one asked for. Mm, perfect. <laughs> well. Well. Now that you know what a loofah is, shall we roll for next episode? Yeah, no, let's do it. This was this was really fun. I liked how each each one of these was kind of like. Uh, what's what I'm looking for? They were all just Unfocused? quite pleasant. <laughs> well, that that too. I mean, that's a given. But they're all just awfully pleasant, with like a haunt that cleans or it's sleeps. Just chilling with you. out, like yeah. I I imagine that if like they did sweep up the glass, we're just like for fuck's sake, people, What's come peas? on. Can you remember what peas is again? A poltergeist. I thought I thought that was right because I was like I was trying to tell Julie she's like a ghost and a poltergeist. And I was like I swore peas was a poltergeist. Peas. Okay. Cool. If anyone tells you otherwise, they are wrong. <laughs> So, oh wait, what kind of ice do you have? Ah, Those I have. Look new. Uh, I think I've talked about these before. These are Chessex. They are Violet Vortex. These were some of the test sets that they made, um, and unfortunately, these were deemed not to be produced. Oh. Um, they are very pretty, though. I had to like put in an order at Chessex specifically for this. On they, their website is terrible. Is it? I swear to God, it is from 1995. Yeah. Like, it, it has not been updated in a hot minute. But the people at Chessex are super nice. I sent them an email and I was like, hey, I couldn't get to any of the cons where you guys were selling these. I would still really like to have some if they're still available. And they were like, yep, how many do you want? And so I was able to get some test sets, which was awesome. Nice. So, yep, these are the Violet Vortex. Three. Oh, Paranormal. My goodness. <laughs> Fucking shit. And all you want is true, true crime. True crime. <laughs> well, we all know what I'm rolling here. And I'm hopeful that I get something fun. Here we go, here we go, here we go. No worries, no worries. Stop. Are you... What the... How did... Current events. 
Again. I'm going to keep you guys up to date. <laughs> and so is Satan. Satan is the demon that lives in his stomach. Yep. Feed me! That's still... I was, I was listening back to... We... Okay, so before we go, okay. we have to listen to... I mean, before, like, we go, not okay. we go, um, I was gesturing a wildie. I... I was gesturing a wildie. Words are hard. You've done the speech. <laughs> I've done all the speech for the day. I can no longer speak. I am a concern. I, I've done me a bamboozle. <laughs> Heck. Heckin'. You. Yeah. Well. Well. Thanks for tuning in this time. Come yeah. back next week to find out what the fuck we're talking about. Bye. Bye. If you've got something to say, find us on Anchor at anchor.fm slash WTFpod. Email us at wtf.podcast.mail at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at WTFAYTA Podcast. That's WTFAYTA, our acronym, podcast. Our music was by Decker Hinckley, and our artwork was by Kirby Morfitt.